my entire personal, professional life felt like it was on this tightrope. And here I was giving time away to other people when I felt like I was going to break apart and I didn't know how to actually get to the next step in my career. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Hi, everyone. It is Carly. Today, my guests are Lindsay Kaplan and Carolyn Childers, the co-founders of Chief. Chief is a women's executive network that provides women in leadership with a community of peers who help each other grow in their roles. From participating in small group sessions led by executive coaches to in-person hangouts at one of Chief's many clubhouses in the country, Chief takes networking for women a step further. And 2022 has been big for Lindsay and Carolyn. This year, Chief raised $100 million in Series B funding from Capital G, the independent growth fund of Google's parent company, Alphabet. I should also say that Google Ventures is an investor in the skim. Lindsay and Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. We are going to kick it off with some lightning round questions for you both. Are you ready? I don't know. (laughs) Ready as we will be. First question, who is braver? Carolyn. Carolyn, <laughs> Carolyn you're up. Okay. Wait, I just did it. I answered the first question. So now the next one's to you, Lindsay. Oh, you're you're absolutely right, Carolyn. She's also she's also more devious. <laughs> Lindsay, okay. What is the first job you ever got paid for? Camp counselor. Lindsay, who would play Carolyn in a movie? Helen Hunt 20 years ago. Oh, good one. Like Mad About You era? Exactly. Well, uh, maybe a little bit older than that. (laughs) Fair. Okay. Okay. Carolyn, who is playing Lindsay in a movie? Make them very, very old. (laughs) I don't know her name off the top of my head. She just did Saturday Night Live. She just brushed Natasha Leone. There you go. Natasha Leone. Excellent pick. Wow. Can you tell that we've had this conversation before of like our our celebrity doppelganger? Yeah. So we knew exactly. It works better when I'm sick because then I really sound like Natasha Leone. <laughs> Lindsay, Carolyn's having like a day. What do you order for her? Chipotle <laughs> and a cameo. Oh, with who? Uh, somebody from The Challenge on MTV. <laughs> Just to really age us. If this was newlywed game, though, she would get that totally wrong because she forgot the wine. Like, wine has to be a part of that. I don't need to order you wine. You have (laughs) gallons of it. Carolyn, Lindsay's having a moment. Like, what do you order for her? A babysitter. (laughs) (laughs) Correct answer. (laughs) Okay, Carolyn, who's your dream guest speaker for chief members? I feel like we're going to have to find a new one because I think for Lindsay and I, when we started Chief, we always just had this vision of someday Michelle Obama coming and speaking to all of our chief members. And she did in February of this year. I just want to add to that. Carolyn has another answer to her dream guest speaker, which is her dream is the first woman president of the United States of America. (laughs) Okay. Well, let me know when you book her. 
Lindsay, what is Carolyn best at? Like, what does she, what does she do in the day-to-day for the business that you're like, thank God she's my partner? Carolyn is best at taking in a ton of information, absorbing it, and then spitting out the right answer in a way that gets everybody to lead and feels incredibly calm that she's in charge. (laughs) Carolyn, what about you? This is why we're such good partners. We're like opposites. Lindsay's kind of like the creative disruptor that wants to challenge status quo to make sure that it's truly the best that it can be and really pushing the creativity of of what Chief stands for. So I want to jump into it. You have both said, and I would agree, it gets lonely at the top and even more so for women. Lindsay, can you share the moment when you realize, like, I need support, but I'm not finding it anywhere? Where were you in your career? What were you doing? I remember the moment very well. I was at Casper. I had started at Casper as a VP. I was not a VP. Okay. I was the first employee. There were six of us. And so they let me have whatever title I wanted. And somewhere along the way, I actually became a vice president when I had I had grown a team, I had grown a sizable budget, and the decisions I was making were getting more complicated. And I remember this amazing young woman at Casper asking me to have like a repeat session. Every week, can we get a coffee? Every week, can you mentor me? And I just remember feeling like I was going to have a nervous breakdown because I was so stressed out. I was a young mom. And all I wanted to do was I absolutely wanted to meet with her every week and mentor her. But my entire personal, professional life felt like it was on this tightrope. And here I was giving time away to other people when I felt like I was going to break apart and I didn't know how to actually get to the next step in my career. So- you were you were at Casper, which is, you know, was a super fast growing company. I met you during that time and that trajectory. And the reason I met you is because you were becoming a star. Casper had amazing marketing. Everyone was like, you gotta meet Lindsay. Like she's she is really leading the charge of it. And like here you're talking about you didn't have anybody to go to. In those moments when like it was like getting really hard and stressful and like you were your title reflected maybe a more senior status than you actually were in like your maturity and development, as you just said. What did you do? I had met a few people along the way at Casper, elsewhere, that I turned to for advice, that I turned to for situational problems. But I didn't feel like there was anybody that was helping me get to the place where I could advance as a leader, right? So I was getting through problems as a leader and I was getting advice to get through month to month. But what I wasn't doing was figuring out year to year what was next on my leadership journey. And so I was band-aiding a lot of my leadership problems and doing so with my network, which is something that I I love to build. I love meeting people. I also had a coach that, that Casper had graciously given me who was amazing, but was also extremely expensive. And I knew was not going to be somebody that I could carry on for the rest of my life with this executive coach. I needed to figure out how do I take all of this and kind of group it together into something that could help me long-term. And again, not just kind of get through each problem by problem, but get proactive with who I was as a leader. Carolyn, you said that growing up, you didn't have that classic entrepreneurial spirit, but here you are today. 
And surprise, you, you found some entrepreneurial spirit. So what changed for you? How, how did you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I always like to tell this story because I feel like so often people hear the founder stories that are like, I knew I was an entrepreneur because I had a lemonade stand or a like newspaper route. And so I was an entrepreneur from early days and it was just born into me. And I think my journey was different. My grandparents actually had a small business, but it was a really hard business. It was a travel agency. And so it was always kind of a thing for me that I never really thought that the challenges that I saw play out with my family were things that I was like eager to dive into and and kind of started in in early stages in big companies. And then post-business school, I went into startups and seeing that journey of some really incredible leaders, being really inspired by what they were building, recognizing that like the way that I work is actually better suited for a startup. And knowing that I myself would not feel excited about my career if I had never given that final push towards being the entrepreneur a shot. But it wasn't until the idea of chief that it was actually like, okay, this is something I could dedicate my life to. And I think as a founder yourself, you realize like it truly is dedicating your life to and you have no idea how long or how short that journey is going to be. I, I would definitely agree. I don't think you realize like what a what a commitment you're making when you decide to kind of take that leap. And so kind of on that, like how how has your mentality shifted around what entrepreneurship could be? What has shifted for me is how much more pressure you feel. Like as you're a senior executive at various startups, you're like, I'm in this too. Like I feel like this is a part of me and I'm working really hard and I'm dedicating a lot of hours, there is something really different about being the founder of something and like first employees signing up to work with you and being like, oh my God, your livelihood is in my hands. And that's just a different level of pressure Mm -hmm. that I don't think I appreciated until being in the seat. My heart is like racing as you say that, but yes, I agree. <laughs> Sorry for the reminder. I feel like yes. I feel like the the stress level is different. The pressure is intense when you are the founder. I recognize the same stress of working at a startup, but the that feeling of the investors, everybody who works for you, all of your customers, all of that pressure is on your shoulders, especially if you've put yourself out there in any way, shape, or form, which we're on a podcast. So here we are. <laughs> here you are. So Lindsay, you've said something in the past that I really resonated with. You've called yourself a non-traditional businesswoman. What does that mean? Well, I didn't go to business school. I think that I did not expect to be in business. And if you asked anybody in my family, if you asked my friends growing up, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be an MTV VJ. And I was very anti-authority my entire life. And I started in publishing. I started in writing. I recognized that there is a way to really love the business, really love the aspect of driving a business forward and doing it in a way that kind of bucks what traditional business women look and sound like. And there's just less untraditional women in business. There's less of us that feel like, listen, I'm really comfortable being a creative. I am very comfortable raising my hand and telling you when I don't know what acronym you're talking about. And I have a privilege as a co-founder to raise my hand and say that. It's a privilege to be able to do that. And I hope that more women in particular feel comfortable knowing that 
very often there is a place for that person in a business and you don't necessarily need to come up the traditional path. That being said, could I do Chief Without Carolyn? Absolutely not. It would be like a fire festival of epic proportions. <laughs> so that being said, I think it's important for you to understand what your limitations are if you're not a traditional business person and make sure that you surround yourself with incredible operators. And when I met Carolyn, I knew that she was, she had an incredible reputation. Upon meeting her, you realize the intellectual horsepower she brings. And she's just a phenomenal leader. Got it. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. I'm curious, like, what was the moment when you realized, like, holy shit, like, I'm a businesswoman? There are probably a lot of moments of isn't this funny that like I won this award? Isn't this clever that somebody asked me to speak at this conference? And I know very often women would refer to that as imposter syndrome. I don't feel like I'm an imposter. I'm very, very open with what I do, with who I am and what I'm good at and what I'm not great at. But I think it has been an interesting journey to confront what I do in such a very public and open and honest way and not feel penalized for it along the way. For those that are listening, because, you know, you're you're touching on a lot of things that resonate very personally to Danielle and myself. We literally have built a show franchise around a little bit about this and like how to navigate your career. And especially when you don't necessarily fit into like a certain box. And the show originally was called Skin from the Couch. And it was about how we created a business from nothing with no background. So what you're talking about resonates. What I'm curious though, is how did you figure out kind of what you were best at and what your secret weapon was that actually does make you a businesswoman? So I recognized at the very beginning of my career, I applied for a job at Oxford University Press to be an editor, like an editorial assistant. And I remember the head of publicity, this incredible guy, Christian Purdy, came up to me and was like, you talk way too much. You will hate, you will hate that editorial assistant job. Do it for two weeks and then come over and see me. I'm on the eighth floor. And so I started in publicity two weeks later because he was absolutely right. And I realized I know how to get attention. I know how to tell a story and I know how to create really, really interesting nuggets, storytelling. And that was that was the job in the beginning. And I remember as a publicity assistant, I was a terrible assistant, but I was great at publicity. And so by the time I got to Casper, when I met you, Carly, the reason I fell in love with the idea of Casper was mattresses are, it's one of the worst words you can even, even say. And to immediately grip onto that challenge and say, well, it's not really about the mattress, is it? It's about sleeping. It's about dreaming. It's about being lazy. It's about being self-indulgent. It's about wellness. There's so much here to attack and there's so much to tell a story about that it's really never about the mattress. And so I think that storytelling spark, which is why I wanted to be a writer, easily translated into business. And it is the definition of marketing. I am outnumbered today because I usually have a co-founder but she's on maternity leave. And so I want to talk a little bit about co-founder relationship. Obviously, it's something we're very passionate about, but it's also something that we say is not for everybody just because it has worked for us and sometimes for other people. And clearly it's working great for you guys doesn't necessarily mean it's like the right way to do something or you have to have a co-founder. Are either of you surprised that you ended up having a co-founder? 
there's a few things. Everybody needs to figure out what journey they want to go on and how they want to go on that journey. For both of us, there was something just more gratifying about doing it with somebody that is there for the highs and there for the lows. We are a business that is based on how do women come together as a community to build something better and get opportunities for each other and help each other. And inherently, like it made so much sense given the business that we are building for there to be that same community feel internally too. And it started with the two of us, but now, you know, it's a full leadership team that I think is really lovely to see. And it just felt like the right type of dynamic to have given the type of business we're building too. How do you like actually divide and conquer kind of, or is one of you the the warmer one? Is one of you like the emotional part? Like how, how do you divide and conquer that? I mean, I think at this point we have moved into a place of, again, when once you start to get a full executive team, it becomes a lot clearer of like, how are things divided and conquered? But I do think that there's definitely roles as co-founders that is different than like your functional like divide and conquer. We will literally be like, is this best served from Carolyn or Lindsay? And like, you don't even need to explain to them what that means. So what does that mean? Um, Well, I think Lindsay is a much more extroverted uh, individual who like inherently just goes out and builds connections and networks. I'm much more of like a introvert that loves to get like deeper into a specific topic and be a little bit more of the like data and research type of person. Like we're trying to recruit somebody and it's like, all right, put me in when we're talking vision of the company and like what we can go and build and all of those types of things. And then Lindsay, when it's much more of the emotional mission of what we do and how that resonates with our members, those are the types of conversations and ways that we would both like come at that same, how do you pitch somebody to be a member of chief, you know, or a a team member of chief. What was the first co-founder challenge that you guys had together? (laughs) Like, what was the first one? Like starting off together? Like, do you, do you remember the first one? It's like, what was the first relationship fight? Like, and I don't mean fight. I just mean challenge. I remember a lot of people talk about like, before you become co-founders, you should have a very long conversation about roles and responsibilities and like exactly how you're going to divide and conquer. And we kind of had, I think what we spent a lot of time on was like underlying values of what meant most to us, how we wanted this business to be built, how we wanted to treat our teams. And we ironically hadn't spent quite as much time on the like, all right, functionally, how are we going to divide and conquer? You do this, I do that. Yeah. And I think because Lindsay is in the, you know, more of the marketing space, I just tacked on sales and marketing together to be like, okay, that makes sense. You're going to take this side, sales and marketing, I'll take these other things. And that was not what Lindsay had in mind. Carolyn was like, so get the sales force forecast together. And I was like, who did the what? The weather forecast? <laughs> and that, that was the first big conflict of Carolyn assuming I was going to take sales and me being very honest and saying, you do not want me to own sales. I do not know how to put together a forecast. Although to be fair, I did recruit our first head of sales who was amazing. So I'm like, I'll go out and fix this problem, but we're going to need to hire somebody great. What was the takeaway in that moment of the first challenge together where, you know, it's so obvious and spending 30 seconds with the two of you that you have a real trust for each other and admiration for each other. What was the takeaway in that challenge of like, okay, this is how I now need 
to think about things, or this is how I need to approach working together maybe differently? I'd say I had two from it. One is just that we should never assume anything of the other, but the one thing we potentially should assume, which is the second one is good intent. Cause it was also like one of the first things that we were working through together. And I remember Lindsay being like, is she giving this to me because she doesn't want to have to like own a revenue number. And I was like, no, like I'm CEO. Like I will co-own that every day, all day of like, and it was this really good moment for us to just be like, let's always assume good intent. And I think it was like a breakthrough moment for us in the early days of just, it's us against the world. So like, let's just make sure that we always look at it. And Lindsay jokes all the time that I'm very like her husband. So she also will like (laughs) go to her husband and be like, Carolyn said this. And he'll be like, well, this is what she actually meant. (laughs) He's like, he's also like, because you did that lady. (laughs) He always takes Carolyn's life. Now, by the way, all I hear is Natasha Leon. Like I'm very distracted right now. And I'm like, that was a real, like, yes, Natasha totally just said that. Um, So I want to ask you the $100 million question because you guys just raised funding. But during the pandemic, you saw a real opportunity and and really a travesty around what happened to women in their careers. And a lot of, you know, we've called the great resignation, but for many, the forced resignation. What has Chief done to sort of seize this moment and to, to help her? It's one of the hardest and frustrating things of building chief of you want to hold yourself accountable and can hold yourself accountable for like the ultimate metric, which is women representation and leadership. And then you have a massive pandemic in the middle of the second year that you're in existence, which pushes women's progress in, you know, business back to such high degree. So it was a really hard time as we were thinking about what we are trying to achieve and what more we can do. And I think for us, it solidified and wanted us to just double down on what we could actually provide for our members in one of the most challenging times. So we were kind of an in-person experience. We pivoted everything to virtual so that at a time when you needed it more than ever, it was there for you. But on top of that, we added in like so many additional services. We added in executive coaching so that we could literally give a free session to all of our members at a time when they needed it most. We added a hiring board. We added a whole new community platform for people to be able to tap into each other. And so it really galvanized us in an amazing way to invest in the community. I think that is a huge part of why we are now able coming. I mean, we're not out of the pandemic, but into our new normal why we're now able to extend across the entire U.S., which is what we did at the beginning of the year. Now you can join from anywhere. Yeah, I think democratizing access. We had members who were living outside of New York City who were schlepping in for two hours to meet with their team. We had women who had childcare issues, who were taking care of their parents, who were pregnant. It's very similar to what happened in the workforce. When you think about the support that we were offering, both in terms of our incredible peer groups with our executive coach community, our workshops, our events, the idea that you can just tap into Chief at any time from your phone was was so monumental to not just allowing us to expand, but to make sure that so many more women could join and so many more women had access when they needed to. We have a listener question I want to get to from Sydney. Um, So Lindsay, I'm going to kick this one to you. 
The question from Sydney is, I'm not at the VP level yet. So how can I take traditional networking to that next level and develop meaningful work relationships? One of the things that we often do when we're networking is we go like-minded. Meaning if I'm a marketer and I'm a startup marketer, I find other startup marketers to meet. And something we learned from Chief and what we modeled our core groups on is to really look for cognitive diversity. And so my suggestion is for Sydney to find people in other areas of the business with other skills that she may not have necessarily a superpower for or necessarily come across in her day-to-day and try to build that network so that you can actually learn a lot from other people and understand broadly how business is functioning. That is the real jump from manager to director to VP is learning beyond your own skill set and understanding the ways in which all of those functions and roles rely on one another. Great advice. Carolyn, you opened us up with the first answer. I'm going to have you close us, which is the hardest question. Uh-oh. Who should we have on the show? Who else should we book? Hmm. That is a great question. Um, I have so many. I know. They should Lindsay, have been such you a You should have said thing. you were braver. You're such a All right, Well, thing. Lindsay, you, you can chime in and, and help her if you have some thoughts. I think you should bring on Gabby Harada, who is the CEO of DVF. Amani Duncan, who is this new North American CEO of BBH. Two chief members. We have a lot of great chief members. I love these recommendations. We will take you up on that. If you can intro, we'll take them. Happy to. Ladies, congratulations. It's been amazing to watch your journey and we're rooting for you and um, just really grateful for the work you're doing. Thanks so much, Carly. And send our best to Danielle. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And we've also got another podcast, Pop Cultured with the Skim, where each week we're covering the pop culture moment everyone's talking about. New episodes drop every Tuesday. 